Welcome back to High Fidelity Top 5, the weekly podcast where we break down and analyze the 2000 movie High Fidelity, five minutes at a time. I'm Chris LaSalle. I'm Candace LaSalle. I'm David Stoker. I'm Kathy Stoker. Hey guys. Hello. Hi. Hello. We're back. We're back. Everyone miss us? I missed you. It's good to see you again, Candace. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a long time. All right. This is, uh, what, episode five, which means we're talking about minutes 21 through 25. Only episode five. Only. I know. It feels, oh. like, it feels like episode 25, doesn't it? Right. I hope it doesn't feel like that to the listeners. <laughs> They're like, are you done yet? <laughs> <Isn't laughs> anyway. Uh, so, yeah, these minutes start with... Rob sharing his latest record collection sorting methodology and ends five minutes later with Rob, Dick, and Barry bonding over a common dream. Mm. Hmm. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. So this is my favorite part of the movie. This is your favorite part of the movie. Favorite part of the movie. The coolest thing in the whole movie. So after this, I'm out. Oh, okay. This is all I needed to... So you share, Chris? It's... Well, Okay. Well, it's, it's you know, uh, Dick has just showed up at Rob's apartment. He's inviting him to go out to see uh, Marie DeSalle down at Lounge Jacks. And he gets all kind of distracted as he's talking to him. And he's like, what do you seem like you're, you seems like you're sorting your records. So how are you doing this? And he's trying to guess which way is it alphabetical? Is it chronological? And, uh, and then Rob says, nope, autobiographical. Oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> Is it though? It is, Dave. Is it cool? It's, yeah, I agree. Is it? I feel like it's very complex. That's yeah. I am. Believe me, I am. Since I've seen this movie twenty years ago now, I've always wanted to do this: is to try and figure out how to sort my record collection autobiographically. You know, I can. I, I know. I know the first. That. I know the first album I bought. I know the first like CD I bought. But that already is like a you know a five or six year jump or gap. Like, how did I get from Devo's Freedom of Choice to Sinead O'Connor's Lion and the Cobra? Like, yeah. Do you want to know that? I do. I want to see. I want to see where, you know, and then you can see where your taste, you know, like, oh, this is when I got into this band or this is when I got into that band. I mean, I think it's essentially just like your life story. I mean, you're going to have to go through every moment of your life. Yeah. Um, no, thank you. No, thank you. that. Okay. I'm like, let's break it down. And Dave and it Kathy, out. Uh, Chris and no, Kathy, and Candace and Dave on the same page again. <laughs> I know what a I surprise. Will pass. You're gonna pass. Why, so why, Dave? Why? Because it's too complex. It's just something that I mean. Even Rob, when he's explaining to him, he's like, I have to remember that I bought this song on this album for someone in 1984, yeah. but didn't give it to them till 1987. For personal reasons like yes I, I wouldn't even remember that unless i was doing it actively while i was collecting my making my collection I, so how would you do it like so do you pick up acd and you look at it or record or whatever we're talking about yep. and look at it and figure it out or do you go and and then go and like go cd by cd and like place them right. or do you go back okay i i was 12 years old when i bought my first tape it was whatever Devo oh, or freedom of choice freedom of choice yes how many times have we heard that yeah. uh, and, and then okay so then that year so how do you do it well, I, I think you do you have to do it in like you know the 
the boulders and pebbles kind of thing. You ever heard of that strategy? Mm-hmm. So like, I know, like I remember when I went into my Bob Dylan phase, boom, you know, this chunk of time in my life, I know when I did a grateful dead phase, boom, you know, these big boulders. And then there's going to be these little, mm-hmm. you know, little albums here and there. And, you know, some of them you'll be able to figure out by when the albums were released. Right. right. So I know I didn't like the handsome furs until their album came out in whatever, 2005, like it, it wouldn't be any earlier than that. So you can kind of, you can kind of sort it that way first. Right. But, uh, I don't know. I'm going to do I, it. That's that's. I'm not writing my autobiography. I, I just want that. I'll organize my my record collection or my album collection. Why don't you wait till the kids are gone, have left the house, and this can be <laughs> your project, and I'll find my own project. <laughs> I, I want to do this gonna, part of the podcast. I was going to say Chris should have it done by next weekend. <laughs> uh, well, he's got his Lego project going on yeah, right now, is, yeah, so exactly. we can't do both. Yeah. No, Kathy. Uh, you'd like well, to I was do it. To say right, like I love associating memories and people with. You know, and again, in this autobiographical fashion. So mm-hmm. when he said that, I was like, wow, I never thought about actually sitting down and doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's mostly in my head. So, you know, I've shared that Michael Jackson was one of my first cassette tapes. And I just think about my friend Jill and I, I think in fifth grade, we did music videos, right? Like our music teacher had us do these music videos and that's when you had the big camcorder etc and I think about my friend Dave who he and his friends did it uh, their music video to uh, Jump by Van Halen on the 1984 album right is that what it was called Mm -hmm. Um, and then that's how I start like thinking about that's how I associate music and how Mm -hmm. that has all unfolded and then I loved Madonna and there was a friend Denise who loved Madonna and so I just think that it's interesting to think about music in that way yeah yeah for sure i th- I don't think my mind works that way i don't have those same associations so i don't i think it would be really challenging for me and i have zero interest in doing that yeah either. anyway i don't know i just might eh. right. i don't know isn't that what therapy's for <laughs> well this, it is a form of music therapy. I, sure. I guess it is yes. you know rob does find it very comforting yes yep. yeah yeah clearly that, yeah that's that i will say I had that same note, Dave, about comforting, like because he and Dick both agree, like, oh yeah, it's comforting to be able to say I got from you know this this band to that band in twenty five moves. Um, I don't know if I would use the word comforting. I just think it's more of a more of an intellectual challenge. It's a challenge, like oh. right, right, and then see what it says. You know, see what story it tells when I when you when I finish that sort. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know I have OCDs that make me feel comforting. I have. I'm sure Kathy can attest to my rearranging of the dishwasher. Like she'll load the dishwasher, and I will have to rearrange it to a particular layout. Me too, and Dave. That is, and that, and, I just got and lectured that is, about that. Com- and that is comforting. Or your pop collection. Oh, my, yes, I have my certain OCD, so I can relate to Rob, but just not in this particular way can I relate to Rob. Yeah. But I, I, but I think you just said, Dave, you, your pop figure collection is already organized in some fashion well by category right why not by order of you know release purchase or purchase. release or purchase that's two different right. things purchase is autobiographical right, right. um anyway so, so that, i mean you could that would be an easy way you could tell our kids all right all your cds or records that you own right now just order them from when you got them mm-hmm. and then they could just you know, I mean, I remember organizing my CDs by, uh, like, alphabetical. And every time you get a new one, you had to, like, move everything around. 
But now you can just stick it at the end. Oh my god, that's amazing. You're right. So if you start it when you're young, it would already be autobiographical. Um, But but the thing is, I think he says it. If he wants to listen to a song, he has to think think about... I don't know. No. Well, I want to listen to a song. I don't want to think about why I listened to it in the first place because then I might not want to listen to it again. Mm, well, yeah, that, that's a risk factor. But yeah. I feel like this is a regular thing for him because how often would you reorganize autobiographical? Like, I feel like once you've done it, you've done it. Like, right. this seems to me he has done something like this before. Mm-hmm. So he must go through phases or constant reorganizing whether it's alphabetical or chronological autobiographical <sighs> by artist birth or whatever i mean he must have he's a complex he, he must person. do this he, he's a complex person yeah. he must do this often because it yeah. doesn't seem like this is the first time he's done it i think it's good character development you know me geeky english teacher but i do find this scene to give another layer to who he is absolutely yes for sure yeah yeah. And I do like that he talks about, wait, is it Landslide by Fleetwood Mac? Yep. I love that song. Classic. I just need to say that. <laughs> yeah. That's what I like about this music, uh, this movie, is the music references that I like. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I've never been, like, a huge Fleetwood Mac fan, but sorry. <laughs> Chris is, like, like, eyes wide open. <laughs> My cousin, who has a roommate with the university, she would only she'd play some Fleetwood Mac album whenever she'd clean her room. Rumors, probably. Oh my god! Yeah, so I'm like, oh, but I I don't think I've ever listened to my, an, my, an album there. My favorite story about roommates and music is uh, our friend Brandon. Uh, when he was in uh, freshman year in college, he lived in like the uh, the the dorm where all the exchange students stayed, and so his he had a roommate from Spain. <laughs> his roommate was obsessed with Queen, and uh, <laughs> Brandon needs to say that's all the guy did. As soon as he walked into the room, he'd put a Queen album on and he would play Queen music until he went to sleep. And like the room was like oh. like half the room was covered with Queen posters and stuff. <laughs> Awesome. And I just laugh all the time because I just I just can just picture this guy like just coming in and just being like, you know, what album am I going to put on now? And Brandon be like, oh my god, yeah, it's just funny, so true. And, and backing up to the beginning of the scene when um, Dick right walks in mm. and he's describing the singer that he wants them to go see, and he does he say something about Cheryl Crow? She's Cheryl yeah, well, he's Partridge just, family. He's yeah. describing who she is. She's right. Cheryl Crow yeah. with a pre par, post Partridge family, pre LA Law, Susan yes. Day, <laughs> but of course black. Right. And that whole image just uh, just made me smile and laugh a little bit. Knowing Cheryl Crow and being of the Partridge family generation, it just made me laugh. Is that like a dick kind of thing? for him like to describe someone that way like the way he i don't know like do we describe people i'm trying to think of i'm not good know, at that i don't know like I yeah because i was like god thing. how did how did he you think it's a dick thing i do because <laughs> later in the movie i think we see how he describes a band to uh-huh. a customer okay right and i feel like he does the same sort of thing yeah, i think it's a knack like yeah. i think that's a really yeah. cool way yeah the only, I, my question mark on that though uh, was was he describing her 
physically like Sheryl Crow and Susan Day, or was he describing her musically, Sheryl Crow and I don't think Susan Day did anything musically after Well, Barbie that's where I think I got confused because yeah. I'm like, well, why is Susan Day a law and order? Because how does that have to do with music? And yeah, so I was. So, would, did, you, did you guys take it as a physical description? Yeah, I thought it's that's how you were describing how she looked. Okay, like her her overall. So yeah. who are the people? Cheryl Crow. Crow. I was thinking music. And Susan, Susan Day. Day. Oh my God, what? So maybe he's not good at this. <laughs> is that really? I don't know if I'd yeah. use those words to describe her. Yeah. But yeah, he's cute though. Do we want to talk about Rob's conversation with his mom? Yeah. Oh, God. What did you think? Jeez. Oh, I mean, I she's just ripping into him like... I don't think I, as a mom, am ever going to be like, oh, you're never going to get married and grandkids. Like, oh, God, wait to make your kid feel like a pile of... You know yeah. what? Yeah. PG. Like, oh, I what don't did know. you think about it, Dave? Yeah, I was like, I, you know, she's all up in the clouds, and you know, I thank, I thank the Lord that you, you know, Laura's got a great job because you clearly are a train wreck. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, right. he owns a record store. How's that a train wreck? You know, this is all your fault, and you got to call her mother. And like, I, I'm, I'm glad that he like stands up to her and be, yeah. just hangs up on her. Yeah, I'm like, wait to have up, your Mom. kids back. Like, I'm not uh-huh. defending the mother, but I. Do know some mothers, not necessarily of our generation, maybe our mother's generation, sure. who would have responded in similar fashion, and I right. think their adult children would have responded like um, Rob did as well. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Expectations and pressure, and yeah, the mom was crying, I believe, right? Oh my God, she was. Was so yeah. talk about desperate for her son to find the one. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I got to. I looked this up a while ago. That uh, the mom's played by uh, Margaret Travolta. Mm. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, it took me forever to wrap my head around it. It's it's John Travolta's sister, sister. not John Travolta's mom. Okay. Right. 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 <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, well, you can see resemblances. I think when you look at her. Yeah. 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 I can see that. Sure. Oh, yeah. 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 She has. She been in other things that I feel like. Nothing that like stood out. Oh, uh, okay. I mean, she, yeah, she did. I mean, she's she does she's done lots of things, but yeah, nothing right. that uh, like like oh yeah, I remember her in that movie. Uh, was... I, yeah, she seemed familiar to me, but I was counting on all you guys doing that research for me. <laughs> we're, we're the interns. <laughs> she was in some big movies. I mean, like they weren't like she didn't have big parts, but she was in some. You know, she was in Ocean's Thirteen. That was a pretty big movie. Catch me if you can. Catch me if you can. That was a pretty big movie. Yeah, I don't think seems I like know she was in that. a lot of John Travolta movies. Oh, mm-hmm. right, sure. So it's like a John Cusack, Joan Cusack thing. Yes. Right. Right. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. So then he he hangs up on her, right? Yeah. Shut up, mom. I think you said that, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cold. That's cold. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And he does decide to go to the club, to the... Yeah. With, um, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so he stops in front of the, you know, the Biograph Theater and makes that, just tells a little Dillinger yeah. story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. That's right. what I, I mean, he's so bitter. So, can we just back up a second for uh, to his mom? Do you think yeah. that's, so he's, this movie is him obviously 
explaining his relationships with women mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, oh. all the way from his middle school days all the way up to, you know, current girlfriend. Do you think a lot of it stems from his relationship with his, with his mother? <laughs> I mean, and her perceived well, notions of what she wants a relationship to be? Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Arguably, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's for all of us, probably. Maybe That's not. Maybe say. not the early stuff, like the middle school stuff, but maybe definitely the later stuff. Mm. I mean, if she's if she's been in, you know, drilling in him, like you got to get married and have kids and right, make right. me a grandma, like that's probably that's probably been going over in his mind for years. Right. Yeah. The type of woman. Right. She's got a job. Yeah. Yeah. You're not successful. You dropped out of college and. You're mm. a bum and own bad record store. It's <laughs> horrible. I mean, what horrible mother? <laughs> <laughs> no wonder he is the way he is. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, but, the idea of crying because of that. If he's if if he's not crying, she shouldn't be crying. <laughs> it's like I don't know. Right. Right. Yeah, good point, Dave. Yeah, I agree. It's. I mean, I'm sure it, it has a lot of impact on all the decisions he's made looking for a partner. Sure. Gotta gotta make mom happy. (laughs) I'm glad they didn't explore that in any depth in the film. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay with this one scene with mom. This one scene. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Do you have anything to say, Chris, about that scene outside the theater? Oh, when he's talking about... The Dillinger story? Yeah, I just, I mean, I just, I have, I laugh at it because he's, he's so bitter that, you know, his, his, uh, his retelling of the Dillinger story is that his girlfriend turned him in. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's what he took away, or that's what he's taking away from that story in, in this, in this moment in his life. Um, right. Yeah, super bitter. Yeah. yeah. It's not the girlfriend's fault. <laughs> like... He just wanted to go and see a movie. Yeah. <laughs> he was just a simple man. Right. I guess technically it wasn't his girlfriend that turned him in. It was, it was the was his mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Who was it? Uh, it, was, was it? It was. Uh, I guess the story goes. It's the. She's, uh, I don't know her name off the top of my head. Anna Campanus. Uh, uh, she was actually the a madam of a brothel that he attended. Yeah. Uh, I was actually going to say, oh, was she like a mistress or something or some? No, some... she's. He, he. I guess he frequented this brothel. Um, of course. And I guess she's known as famously, she's known as the woman in red because I think that's how uh, that's how she tipped the FBI off to Dillinger where Dillinger was, is because she was wearing red. And uh, so, ah. um, but uh, so then, so when did this this information come out? Because why does he think it's his girlfriend? Because that's completely wrong. So he's all bitter about something that he has nothing to be bitter about. Well, I, I think that's that's what I'm saying. It's like just that's his, you know. His takeaway of of the Dillinger story is oh, a woman turned him in. Must have been his girlfriend. You know, that's, right. I'm sure that's you know that's how he's, he's connecting right. those dots. Yeah. Oh God, he is not winning me over yet. <laughs> I'm not there yet. Yeah. All right. So then we move over to the lounge acts. Um, right when he's walking in. And he's walking he in. The... Here's we see the Marie DeSalle posters on the wall, yeah. and he kind of stops at the bouncer because he hears her singing. Uh, Baby, I Love Your Way by Peter Frampton. 
And he clearly is saying this to the, he's like, is that Peter Frampton to the bouncer? Like, in disgust. (laughs) (laughs) So right off the bat, we know how he feels about Peter Frampton. Um, Right. But does he like what he's hearing? Or does he have to see her first before he likes what he's hearing? Here I I go. I think it's, I think, well, I think it's seeing her is what seems to be. Yes, uh, for all of them. And they walk, yeah, they're all like. Just like mesmerized. Just mesmerized. Right. Someone you. walk by and like close their mouths because they're all like hit <laughs> right. on the floor. Um, can I just be totally petty? Uh, okay. Tom Petty. <laughs> don't come around here no more. Uh, I don't think Lisa Bonet is a good singer. I, I, you know what? I was going to ask that. I'm like, do you think Lisa Bonet is a good singer? And I, but I it, would answer that with a no. Is it about her singing? I don't think so. <laughs> I do not think I, they're I like they're like so, well, so entranced by her. Like she could be barking right now. She's, she's reciting, not like necessarily singing. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, I don't think I don't think I didn't think if she was good or bad. I just was like, well, clearly, she could be singing, "New Kids on the Block," and they would right. all be like <laughs> drooling. Okay. I so, would have paid money for that if she was singing. <laughs> You know, hang time or hanging tough, hanging tough or whatever it is. So hang, hang on, hilarious with her up on the. <laughs> Let's remember this part because okay. we can talk about uh, her music later in the movie. Okay. Uh, so don't forget. Okay. That what you just said. What I just said. I have no new, idea what it, kids okay. on the block. New kids on the block. Okay, that's exciting. When's that? When do we get to talk about it? But anyway, so is she a good singer? Uh, I don't know. I think there's just a, there's a line. I'm not a good judge. Yeah, there's a line in there, one, one line that she sings, and I'm just like, ooh, that's, she's oh. a little, not that great. Not that great. Not, and I, I will say, I'm a terrible singer. So If I'm she not, was on The Voice, would she get four chair turn? She would not have gotten anyone to turn. I don't you don't think, think so. Turned, yeah. She didn't hit any of those high notes that they liked. She didn't. I must have a low bar. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I thought she was fine. But again, I got most dedicated in the middle school chorus, so I'm not a good singer either. <laughs> Dedicated. Um, <laughs> I did. I showed up. Adorable. All the time. Just, most, yeah, I was going to ask. Attentive. What does yes. most dedicated mean? And yes. <laughs> um, and now at this time period, so has, has everyone still laughing? Still laughing. Like, I'm just thinking of more superlatives. Cleanest. <laughs> Cleanest. <laughs> Best dressed. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, anyway. Anyway. Most punctual. So, stop. <laughs> David, um, I can't come up with any. Where are we in the Cosby series? Because Lisa, right, Bonet, is that yeah. her, the actress's name? She was in Cosby, and so I'm just curious, right. is Cosby over by this time? No, I think it's, it no, might still... Really? Uh, yeah, because I was looking... kind of in and out. Yeah. Her... She had her own spinoff. Different world. Yep. Right, right. I think she's still in the middle of it. Because okay. I know the oh, like her okay. first movie, Angel Heart, which was really super controversial because of nudity and sex scenes, and uh-huh. she was still on the Cosby Show while that was happening. Oh. And that was just a few years before, so I think okay. it's all still, okay. at the very least, a different world is on. Yeah. yeah, so a different world is uh, so her spinoff was eighty-seven to eighty-nine, but what? she does go back to the Cosby Show, which ended in ninety-one. Ninety-one. Well, this movie. Then I got that way yeah, wrong. I know. <laughs> this movie's like nine years later. Yes. So oh, she's yeah. yes. This is much much before. Uh, oh, after. Angel after. Heart must have been in the eighties then, because yes. it was definitely during the Cosby Show run. Eighty-seven was Angel Heart. There you go. Okay. okay. 
Yeah. That, that's me being off by decades again. Yeah, I do think she's like super sexy, sultry, you know, beautiful um, person. So I can see them going gaga over her. I mean, I I can't think of any particular bands or singers right now back. I mean, probably New Kids on the Block that might not have been the best singers, but you thought that they were good looking, and then that whole element of the musician just. I think right. there is like an energy that people get excited about. Right. Plus, I mean, she's only in some little club that's, I mean, it's not like she's on yeah. playing, you know. Massive tour stadiums. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Stadiums. So, you know. Um, I, I found myself rolling my eyes at her in this sequence of minutes. Just so you weren't, she... you weren't sucked in by her singing like Rob, Dick, and Barry? Well, here's Apparently the... were. Well, well so... let's, let's think if you were back in your 30s, would you have been? Yeah. I mean, she's got glitter on her neck. God, I'm sucked in. <laughs> Candace, I agree. I mean, glitter. Yeah. Hello, sparkle. <laughs> all, all men are attracted to glitter, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess, yeah. <laughs> and does she make eye contact with Rob as well? I don't know. Well, maybe she really she, she does. Yeah. It's implied. Well, I right. think, I mean, when you're at a concert, you think they totally are looking at me right now. Right. Right. right? So, I mean. music just for me. Right. So My I, friend Jill swears that Huey Lewis played back in time for her during right. one of his concerts. Yeah. Sure. So, for sure. I mean, I, I think, think that's. I'm sure he did Jill if you're listening. She's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so then. You... Uh, what, Dave? Oh, no. Go ahead. Oh, no. I was just going to say when um, D- Dick. And Barry are debating about the song title or the album title. Yep, it's album title. Yeah. The if there was a V or yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love. I. It's. I. I, I love that they're debating it. I love that they're at least not. You know, he's not. Barry's not freaking out on him like he was in the store when they. Right. You know, but. But I. I, yeah. I wish there was more of. The, I guess there are. There is more of this in the film. But I just love this moment. <laughs> uh, there's no V in the title. So they, they're, you know, as you're often saying, Chris, this is a fake album. This is Marie DeSalle's uh, number four, in parentheses, with a smile. Yep. And the picture on the album cover is, as Dick says, a uh, it looks like a Chinese uh, butcher shop or some sort of shop. Okay. Um, and I'm wondering if number four is a particular special. That well, they that's, offer. Well, don't they say he that? Meant, yeah, Dick says that. It's like, is well, that what he a, says? Yeah, yeah, it's a special dish in a Chinese right. restaurant in Toronto. Right. Um, and I did that. Uh, thank you, because I had that question. I'm like, the way he, the way Dick talks about it, he's, oh, she should have played the number four with a smile, imply that it's on her album. Like, he knows her music, and that he, he was hoping she'd play that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't sure, because there's, there's other, there's other, I, I don't know if that's a, if that album is real, if that song is real by another band, um, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I, yeah. I looked, and I did. I, the only thing that came up was this. I'm guessing it's not album. real. You know, I'm sure. You know, but yeah, it's not real. She's not real. It's a character. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So this is just sure. her album, and it's the number four or number four. So what is that number four? Now I want Chinese food. I'm hungry. <laughs> yes, please. Ooh, some crab rangoon and lo <laughs> mein. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's interesting that they have this, you know, discussion, but they're still all drooling over her. <laughs> I know. But do you think so? 
it's funny because I think Candace said that to me offline too, and you said it too that they're drooling over her. I my takeaway and read on the scene is that they're all like the three of them are being super like open and vulnerable with each other. They're all sharing like their dream is. I wish I was dating or living with a singer, and they're right. talking about their having their in joke. You know, they'd have an in joke on the on the liner notes, or maybe sure. my photograph being the background. They're talking. I mean, they, to me, it sounds it's it's a I'm going to say fantasy, but not a not a, in a sexual way. It sounds like that they would love to be in love with a singer, and vice versa, and and just be part of that world or yeah. mythology that you know comes from. Um, you know, looking at an album and like, who is that? What is that about? Right. Well, I think they are being vulnerable, um, but they're all just staring at her in a kind of creepy way. Yeah, they're all gawking. Yeah, and they're, they're gawking. And, they're, and then, yeah, so I think, I think if they were sitting in the record shop and they were talking, or like, or they were just hanging out and they were just talking about relationships, because you know that's what you guys do. You know, sit and talk about relationships. Totally, and, all the time. And, you know, but. I agree. They are being vulnerable, but I don't know. <sighs> I don't think it's like this. Would they have thought of all this if they weren't staring at her the way they are staring at her in this moment? And yeah, her sultry tones with her, the way she's moving her body and her look. I think it's all <laughs> it's all combined to them being mesmerized, thinking yes. like, "I want to be with the musician because." I can totally picture our life being super awesome like I am right now. Right. Yeah. So if, I mean, if, if she was up there and, she, you know, I don't, she looked like, I don't, I don't want to say anything, but she didn't look the way she looked, let's say, would she, they be having the same conversation? I don't think so. Mm, okay. Or if she, I just don't, but that's me being probably very cynical. Sorry. No, I, so I, I agree with you, Candice. I think it's everything. I think it's the atmosphere, her music, the movements, the, her look. I think it's everything. Right. Yeah. What do you think, Kathy? I know. I'm trying to think about, like, you know, if she was male and they were female going with the heterogeneous if that was Mick Jagger, if that was Mick Jagger up there, would you be? Oh, that's a good question. I liked Mick Jagger, but I wasn't attracted to Mick Jagger. Mm. Rick Springfield. Would that's you want a your jokes story. to be? Would you right. want your jokes in the liner notes? I've never ever thought that. of that ever. So no, that's not a criteria for me enough. Right. But, but Maybe. I'm not a. Yeah. When I write the great American novel, our in, our jokes will be in there. A little in jokes. Oh, okay. Okay, so in jokes, right? Yeah, I never thought about that. I mean, I guess it's. I mean, it's kind of a, it's a sweet idea. It's a nice idea, and it is romantic, and and, um, but yeah, I just I didn't view it as vulnerable in that moment, per se. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's, uh, and then gender stereotyping again. Is that guy vulnerability? Hmm. Well, they're also music nerds, so this also falls in their wheelhouse. True, true. That if they were at a movie, I'm sure it wouldn't be the same. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah it's a perfect intersection of, you know, whatever, music nerdery and romance. Right. <laughs> Did this happen in the book, Chris? Yes. Are you at this point yet? Yep. Okay. Yep. Very similar conversation. There's okay. so much stuff that's lifted, like, verbatim. Um, yeah, that's good. Yeah, no, it is good, yeah. I do uh, going back to your your comments, Chris, about uh, Barry and Dick and their little conversation. It just prolongs the conversation we had before about um, you know just their just their battles, you know, <laughs> ongoing between 
you, you know, who has musical knowledge superiority. You know, it's the little, you know, Dick makes a slip of the tongue and he adds a the there right. and Barry totally calls him on oh it. Yeah. He's like, yes. you said the. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it makes me wonder, are they, are they, like, are they, do they respect each other? And, like, in as friends as people or is it just this constant like one-upping or like you said musical superiority who knows more mm-hmm. is it just that kind of relationship i don't know i don't know i feel like this but i, I guess like this, yeah the scene they are the scene they're all kind of like they're right. all of a sudden all on the same page like right. it's like the truth has come out yeah yeah i don't know and that's how the scene ends right yes yeah i think so all done Another week of <laughs> I feel like Tapa. Any T-shirts in this scene? Any new ones, Chris? Are the same? They're the same, right? It's all the same. Uh, yeah, the uh, the boys it's are wearing the same. From, yeah, they're wearing the, the same there. stuff, yeah. and Rita Sal yeah. is not wearing a T-shirt. Um, yeah. I couldn't find. Uh, it really bothered me that I could not find out who was playing the bouncer. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he did, obviously didn't have any lines, but I just felt he had a significant moment mm-hmm. there with yes. with Rob right. as he's walking in and. Right. Uh, they just shared a. I feel like they shared that, like, uh, yeah, Peter Frampton, you know. Right. Yeah, uh, if I had been the bouncer, I'd been like, I don't know who that is. I don't, I don't <laughs> well, know. Well, I that. had to ask Dave who Peter Frampton was, and he's like, he's I the know. one that's singing this. Like, that's the cover. Right. And yeah, but I don't know. I don't know any. Peter I like Frampton the song. song. Do you like the song, Candace? I guess it's they, fine. I. It's yeah, not a song I would. Like. I would probably change the channel if it was on the radio. I guess. Okay. I don't know. I wouldn't that's... seek it out. But, um, yeah. Are there any famous people in the bar scene that we don't, that in the no, background? No. Not, uh, I guess they wouldn't do that. Yeah. Right. Well, there, I mean, there has been, there's, there, there are famous people that show up in some of this stuff, but right. not in this one. Not in this, yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right. So before we wrap things up, do we want to do, we want to do top fives again? Yeah. Uh, so I think, you know, Marie DeSalle is doing a cover of Peter Frampton's Baby I Love Your Way. Right. So we're going to do top five cover songs. Top five cover songs. Yeah. yeah. That was, yeah, not yeah. an easy one for me. It wasn't mm. an easy one for you? Do you want to go first? I'll go first. Sure. All it right. wasn't easy, but. Why because... wasn't it easy? <sighs> I guess, I don't know. Because I don't, I don't think I have enough music history to know when I'm listening to a song, like, oh, that's a cover of yep. a song. So I just assume every song I'm listening to is an original. And I think <laughs> it's just not true. <laughs> so I just... Yeah. Yeah. I thought uh, you and I talked about this a little one offline. I don't know, Dave, Kathy, if, you're, if you guys knew. This is one of the most surprising uh, songs that I thought was an original that was actually a cover is Cindy Lauper's "Girls Just Want to Have Fun"? Want to have fun? Oh, yep. saw that. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Is that on so, someone's list? Because you're not ruining someone's list right now, are you? No, just just a time. No, yeah. I don't know. Okay. Maybe it's on mine. Maybe it's on yours. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was that's yeah, that's. I, I always like that. It's always surprising to me. Like, oh, that wasn't an original. Okay, neat. And then that's a way that you jump artists, right? right? Like, oh, how did I get from this band to that band? It was through a cover song that turned me on to that band. Ah, okay. Yeah, I don't really do that, but I just, I listen to music differently. Yes. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. So the way I figured out some covers was I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to think of my favorite bands and did they cover any songs? Uh-huh. Um, yep. So that's, uh, some of mine are done that way. 
Um, again, mine is not in any order, just, um, yeah. So my first one is um, Lovers in a Dangerous Time, um, original by Bruce Coburn, covered by the Bare Naked Ladies, both Canadian. Uh, yes. yes. Um, I remember when I first heard Lovers in a Dangerous Time, I think it was, I mean, released, I don't know, was it on the yellow tape for the Bare Naked Ladies? It might have been. So I was in university, and they were pretty new, and I didn't really love it then, um, but I've grown to love it. I, mm. I enjoy it when I hear it It's now. a really good... Do you like it better than the original? Well, I love the ladies, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I it's just... It's a really good cover, I agree. Yeah. Um, so there's that one. Um, and then onto one of my other favorite bands is uh, Guster, and their <laughs> cover is Nothing But Flowers. Um the original was the Talking Heads. Yeah. Again, mm. I did not know when I heard that, but I think, and I think this is only on their li- maybe one of their live albums. Yeah, the one in Portland. The one in Portland. Yep. Um, love that song. I couldn't say do I like it. I mean, I don't know. I don't, don't ask him if I like it more or less than the real. I don't know. That's not a good question for me. Mm. So. Did you like that one more than the original, <laughs> or? <laughs> You're so funny, Chris. Um. So then I have um, Killing Me Softly with his song, the original oh, Roberta Flack, yeah. covered by the Fugees. Oh, yeah. Um, Killing Me Softly with Ding Dongs. <laughs> <laughs> and every time I hear that song, so who was the first one to say that? You, Dave, or you, Chris? Because now whenever I hear that song, I hear Ding Dongs, <laughs> which... I don't know if it's sorry. Just, yeah, I forget where we got it from. That's isn't it? Do we? Did someone? It was else? some comedian who yeah. was singing it, and it just now I. It's stuck. I, every time someone references that song, that's all I think of. Um, and then I have so this one. Maybe Kathy might have this one. I don't know. Um, I will always love you, original Dolly Parton, covered by Whitney yep. Houston. I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't know that? No. Uh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a great song. It's, I mean, it's like, oh, God, you know. I mean, I th- that's like a quintessential Whitney Houston song. I didn't know that was a cover. Oh, that's yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and so then my last one is pretty recent, and we kind of just heard it uh, in this household, yeah, I don't know, in the last probably month or two, but it's super fun. It's uh, Juice, original by Lizzo, covered by Harry Styles. Oh, wow. Oh, yes. And um, listen to that. I mean, Harry Styles is just awesome. He's so fun. And um, I don't know. So those are my covers. Nice. Cool. Excellent. Thanks. I like them a lot. Thanks. Um, Who wants to go next? You pick. Kathy. Ah, I was just looking up one other song that I realized. Like, I realized I didn't put who the original singers were on all of them. Oh, Oh. I found it. Okay. So um, I'll start off with, again, these are in no order in particular. Um, I, too, Candace picked I Will Always Love You. Um, So You Are Right um, (laughs) by Whitney Houston. And I knew that Dolly Parton, and I learned that from my mom, you know, when the movie came out, The Bodyguard. Yeah. That's the big song. I think we talked about that in a previous episode. Um, And I do like the Dolly Parton version as well. Yeah. Yeah, the other good. other song that I put down that was super popular was it back in high school? Nothing compares to you by Sinead O'Connor. Uh, that was originally Prince's song mm. mm-hmm. yep. by Prince, and um, 
I don't know what year that was. Maybe someone can look that up. But um, I think it was either high school or college. It was, it was 1990. Okay, so yeah, I was still in high school. Um, the other song I put down was Jackson, which um, Johnny <laughs> and June Cash sing. Yeah. But it was originally sung by someone named um, Billy Ed and Jerry Lieber. And then Nancy Sinatra and Lee Hazelwood did it. I just uh-huh. know the name Nancy Sinatra. Okay. But I know it because my dad was a huge Johnny Cash fan. And that, I loved that song. Uh-huh, nice. The two of them singing together. Mm-hmm. Um, I also picked Aretha Franklin's Respect. I didn't realize that that was originally by Otis Redding. I didn't know that either. And I think we... Yeah. Just listen to it. I did. Yeah. On yeah. One of Chris's, like, I'm like, oh, I so like the Aretha Franklin one better. But we were listening I, to a live version. We were listening version. to a live version. I'm not a fan of live music. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> live. Which that it's pretty up tempo, that version. Yeah. Right? So that's top a great choice, five, Kathy. Yeah. And then the last one I picked, and this was just because I was researching and this was super popular back when I was in elementary school, was the song Mickey. By Tony Basil. Yeah. And it was rich, originally written by Mike Chapman um, and Nikki Chin as Kitty. Oh. And it was re- first recorded over in the UK um, by some group called Racy during 1979. And then Tony Basil changed the name from Kitty to Mickey to oh make my the gosh. song about a man. That's so fun. I and love I that song, that's too. interesting information. And now I feel like when I hear it, I'm going to be singing, oh, Kitty, in my mind. <laughs> But Mickey, and that was like an iconic song oh, for yeah. us as elementary school mm. kids, and the video, and the cheerleader, and all of that. So yeah. those were my songs. My Great covers. songs. Super. Cool. I yeah. love them. There's I so love many Mickey. other good ones, but anyway. Mm. Yeah. Um, I pick Dave. Okay. Um, <laughs> so my, we heard my that side, Dave. Again, not in any particular order. Uh, my first one is uh, Shot the Sheriff uh, oh. by Eric Clapton, which was originally done by the Whalers. Yeah. Um, uh, Hazy Shade of Winter by The Bangles, which yeah. was originally done by Simon Garfunkel. Oh, okay. uh, Walk This Way by Run DMC, which, is, <laughs> which was done originally by Aerosmith, but then in conjunction with Aerosmith. Yeah. I thought that was going to be on Kathy's list. I know. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. I just always think of that video, and I like that video where they're yeah. playing simultaneously, and then they crash through, and then they do the whole mix together. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, this one's more recent, which is uh, Weezer's uh, Take On Me, which was originally done by AHA. Oh, I, really, I thought you were really going to say, okay. You thought I was going to say Africa? I mm-hmm. did, because I almost picked that one. Yep. Um, and then the last one I have is uh, Hurt by Johnny Cash, which was originally Ooh. Nine Inch Nails. Oh, yeah. That's a great one. Fun. Okay. Rest. Go, Chris. It's Chris, you're up. Chris. Your turn, you're last. All right. So I, I started this. This was really hard for me. It was. It was. It was. So I started. I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna go look at my my library stuff, and uh, we have this. I have there's over just over a thousand songs we have our label is covered that are that are cover songs in our library of music. That was your suggestion to me. Go just go search on the covers on our covers. There's a thousand thousand thirty nine. So I'm like, oh god. Okay. Uh, So I had to do some. I had to do some weeding through because I'm like, well, I'll just I'll just sort by the ones I've played the most. Those are obviously my favorites, right? right. But then some of them are like, here's a there's, you know, cover albums. Like here's a bunch of artists who are covering Depeche Mode, right? So it's mm. it's just and it's like, okay, I played that one a lot, but it that's not necessarily my favorite cover song. So I had to do some some mm-hmm. filtering and stuff to get down to the meat of it. Okay, uh, I'm gonna start with my favorite, like my okay. 
ready. This is relatively recent, probably now last like 10 years. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> like, oh, it just came out last year, but it's probably like 10 years because uh, I'm off by decades. Um, it's Peter Gabriel's cover of Heroes by uh, David Bowie. Yes. Mm. Everyone it, cries in our house when yeah. they hear that song. Every I've listened to it a thousand times. Every time it comes on, I get goosebumps. The original is an amazing song. The cover is I, probably better than the original. It's better than the original. Uh, and now it's been used. Better than the original. Uh, no, I feel like I'm <laughs> like, oh boy. Uh, but it's also been picked up and used in a few things. It was uh, It was used in... I think season one of Stranger Things during a very emotional moment and they layered it on top and I'm like oh my god I was already like freaking out over that song by itself and then they added all this you know emotional content in the show with it mm. and I'm just like ah it's, it's, so that's it that's all I've got those are my five it's <laughs> just that one five <laughs> that one five uh, times yeah. um, no so the next one is um, uh, Comfortably Numb uh, by Scissor Sisters oh yes which is a, a cover obviously Pink Floyd um, yep. And I don't know if anybody, if you guys don't know it, it's essentially, uh, it's like if uh, the Bee Gees were singing yeah. Comfortably Numb. So it's like a disco, disco-fied version, high energy. It's the only way I would listen to Comfortably Numb. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, next one is Sweet Jane by Cowboy Junkies, which is a cover of, of a Lou Reed song. Lou Reed song. Uh, it was kind of the song that made Cowboy Junkies famous, very kind of mellow and uh, and, and chill. Uh but it's just, it's an amazing song. And then <clears throat> learning that it was, you know, a cover. I didn't know it was a cover originally. The cover of Lou Reed is like, oh, okay. Um, uh, next one is another David Bowie cover. It's Starman by So George. I'm, I'm going to butcher his name. So George. Um, he's a Portuguese singer. Um, he was actually featured in um, uh, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. He was one of the crew members. And he had all these like intercuts in the in the film where they would be able to transition between scenes where he'd just be sitting on the deck of the ship and playing an acoustic guitar and singing mm-hmm. David Bowie songs in Portuguese. Uh-huh. Um, his cover of Starman is amazing. Um, cool. And then my last one uh, is with a little help from my friends uh, by Joe Cocker covering the Beatles. Uh, it's probably one of the greatest live songs of all time. Yeah. I think it's uh, his performance at Woodstock. Of, of singing this song is just amazing. Um, so uh, those are my five. That's a great list. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone have any honorable mentions? So many. <laughs> well, do we have to limit you? One or two? Th- one or two? Well, I mean, this is the top five, so we didn't make it top ten. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh. I, I have a couple. Okay, a couple. So my two that I have on here are the lemon, uh, Lemonheads doing Mrs. Robinson. Mm. And then uh, Everybody Knows by Concrete Blonde, which was originally done by Leonard Cohen. Yeah. Mm. Uh-huh. I have two as well. Um, okay. The Pet Shop Boys did a cover of Always On My Mind. Oh. And um, Elvis did that. Um, Willie Nelson. Um, my grandmother was a fan of both Willie Nelson and Elvis and, and it originally was um, I don't have the it's somewhere the original artist and then the other one is um, I like Hallelujah is that the name of it mm-hmm. that um, the Pentatonix uh, <laughs> have yeah. covered yeah sure. I think was, was that a Leonard Cohen yes yep. yeah 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 so yeah. those are my two isn't that like one of the most covered songs of all time, Hallelujah? I think it is yeah, yeah. yeah. and all, Always All My Mind as well as has a lot of cover people covered so those are my two. 
I had one, but I don't. It was so so. I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it. I, it was um, Shameless the, when Garth Brooks covered oh, Billy, yeah. Billy Joel. Mm. That's worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like when I hear it, I love it. It's it's just mm-hmm. not a song I seek out, and so. But I always I love Garth Brooks. I I'm not a country music person fan. I mean, I do. I I can tolerate country music. I can enjoy it. Well, when I say tolerate, because I'm thinking of the company I'm in, and I don't right. think I, I like. Okay, I, I, but, yeah. I no, I'm not criticizing myself. I just I like some country music, and I but right. I love Garth Brooks, and. Um, and so I do really like that song. So, yeah. Um, okay. So I, I can only do two. Uh, you can do whatever. So I had like eight, but I'll do two. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so the first one is Traveling River, Riverside Blues. Uh, it's Led Zeppelin um, doing a cover of a Robert Johnson song. Um, and uh, I, th- I think that's, that's one of my almost one of my favorite Led Zeppelin songs. I, I think it only showed up on one of their box sets, and it was... When it, when it came out, I think they did a music video for it, which was a big deal at the time because Led Zeppelin hadn't done any music videos. Um, it's just uh, fantastic. And then the other one I have is, uh, uh, this is one of the ones I'm like, oh, I didn't know that was a cover. It's uh, Always Something There to Remind Me by oh. Naked Eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, it's a cover of a Burt Bacharach song. Burt Bacharach? Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that was uh, that uh, was one of the first, Singles I ever like a, a record single that I uh, ever owned was always something there to remind me in a Duran Duran Rio I think were the first two 45s I ever owned so oh. uh, but yeah I only learned that a few years ago that it was a cover so it's a Burt Bacharach yeah cool fun All that was fun there we go I was excited to hear everyone so yeah now we will make our playlists on Spotify so. yep yep so yeah. We'll, uh, yeah we'll get all that out yeah. there and uh, where can you find those Chris. Well, you can find those. Uh, <laughs> you can find us on uh, all the social medias right now. We're on Spotify, the High Fidelity Top Five. Mm-hmm. Um, so check us, check us out there. We've got uh, all the playlists posted. Um, uh, we're also uh, you can find us at highfidelitytop5.com, and we're at High Fidelity Min on Twitter. Uh, and you should, uh, if you don't already have a Facebook account, you should get Facebook so you can join the High Fidelity. Uh, so you can join the High Fidelity Minute Listener, Listener Lounge. Lounge. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we need some mood lighting. and it's gonna Maybe be... Lisa Bonet will be there. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, I don't think so, but well, maybe. We so might get more you listeners. Never know. You never know who shows up. Man. Yes, you never know who's going to show up at but the yeah, Listener you Lounge. Should, you should definitely hop in there. We'll, uh, we'll, be, we'll be chatting about the music, the movie, um, interacting with listeners. So we'd love to hear from you. Uh, yeah. And uh, so go look at all that stuff. Check out all that stuff. And we'll be back again in a week. Uh, talking about the next set of minutes here at the High Fidelity Top 5. Bye for now. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.